Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. You need nothing else in life other than those you can throw your arms around. And, and I, th- I think that was my big takeaway from the Camino. It's the real relationships that you have in life and the important ones that mean so much. That's this week's guest, Simon Don Levy. He's written a book, There's Something Going On. To Simon in a minute, but first, I'm a Sydney-based broadcaster, podcaster and musician, and I've been hosting my Camino for over four years. There are almost 230 interviews with pilgrims from all around the world. And I started the podcast after returning from my first Camino in 2016. I needed a reason to stay connected. I felt like there was more to this experience and it warranted a deeper exploration. I never imagined it would grow into the international community it has become. Emails this week from Northern Ireland, Germany, the United States, South Australia and the Philippines. The podcast analytics tell me there are people listening right now in Iceland, Japan, China, Nepal, Brazil, Malaysia, Thailand, Pakistan, Latvia and Puerto Rico, just to name a handful. So welcome wherever you are listening. It's wonderful to have your company. El Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage and pilgrims have walked the Camino for centuries. These days, pilgrims walk for a range of reasons. Perhaps you're off on an adventure after finishing a career. Perhaps you've just finished your studies and you're wondering what career path to take. Maybe you've overcome an illness or you're mourning someone who you've lost to illness. You might be getting over a breakdown of a relationship or thinking if the person you're about to commit to is the right person. The Camino will provide the perspective. You'll head off and it doesn't matter where you start. You'll begin your journey and eventually find your rhythm. It's a pretty simple routine. You wake early, pack your bag and head off for the day. A few hours later, you'll stop at a roadside cafe for a coffee and an orange juice, a cafe con leche and zumo di naranja. Then it's back to the path and a few hours later, you just stop for lunch. Then it's back on the path and another few hours of walking before lunch. Mid to late afternoon, you'll arrive at your chosen destination, check into an albergue or hostel and prepare to get settled. You take a shower and wash the clothes you walked in that day. Then find some other pilgrims to sit and chat with about what you saw that day, what you hoped for, why you're walking or where you're headed the next day. It's as simple as that. And if you're walking in spring or summer, you'll be amazed at how long the evening lasts. It goes on forever. The sun sets in the west, inviting you to follow it over the horizon the next day. It's magic. And it sometimes feels like you could walk forever. Indeed, some do. If you're thinking of walking, do it. And if you're worried about your ability to do it, do it at your pace. The Camino provides... If you're worried about being safe, do it. You'll be safe. If you're not a social person, an introvert, do it. You'll find your comfort zone and it will be magic. If you're thinking of walking, I would ask just one question and I saw it on a desk calendar ages ago and I've been waiting for the right time to use it. When's the last time you did something for the first time? Wherever you are in the world listening to me right now, ask yourself that question. When's the last time you did something for the first time? You might find yourself on the Camino de Santiago or returning to the Camino de Santiago. Well, a blessing awaits. My guest this week walked the Camino and it has such an enormous impact on his life. He's written a book all about it. His name is Simon Don Levy, and he's on the line from the UK. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hello. Wow, what an introduction. So much of that resonates with me. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm pleased about that because I love what you've done. This book is great because you've really done a lot of deep diving on yourself here. But before we start, Simon, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Simon Don Levy? Well, let me just talk a little bit more about your intro, if you'll allow me to do that, because it, it, it's, it's a privilege to be part of your 
ever-growing international community that you that you referenced and and to be a part of your extended Camino family and you talked about waking up early and putting the pack on your bag and heading off for the day um today feels a little bit like that for me I, I'm in the UK you're in Australia I haven't had breakfast yet <laughs> and my day has already started so it feels like I'm on, on my Camino journey still um but uh, so, Simon Donlevy so I you know I I, I, I live in the UK I, I'm married with two boys in their 20s I have worked for a high street bank in the UK for 33 years now, and I decided a few years ago, for, for different reasons which we may come into, to take a sabbatical from work, take six months off. In Australia, you, you get lots of sabbaticals. It's a big decision in the UK because you don't get paid when you when you take a sabbatical. Um, so I took a sabbatical for six months, and the first thing I did was walk the Camino. So I saw on your website, you said, my friend wanted to walk the Camino. I'd never heard of it. I thought he was going on a little hike in the sun somewhere. Yeah. Clearly, that's not what you found. But that wasn't the Camino the way you wrote the book. So take us back. Tell us about discovering the Camino and, and your journey, as it were. I'll be really honest. I knew nothing of the Camino. Um, and, and you're talking 2016, 2017, so not very long ago at all. Um, a very dear friend of mine called Neil uh, Neil retired with some pretty devastating news that he had Parkinson's, um, but he was a pretty determined guy, always has been and always will be. Um, And one evening he explained to us while we were all having um, a get together in London to a few friends that are very close together with him. uh, He said that he was going to walk the Camino. And we just sort of said, oh, that sounds nice. a really interesting thing. Um, And then the more we looked into it and the more we got to understand from him, we, we understood Actually, this was no mean feat. This this is quite a, an undertaking that he was doing, and we we had a, a few a few friends of ours had a conversation afterwards, slightly concerned for Neil because obviously he was you know in, in the early stages of Parkinson's. This is quite a big thing, and to be away for so long, uh, we decided that I and another friend of mine called Bruce would would go out in the middle of his Camino just to be there. Primarily to provide him with some mental support to know that he'd have some friends coming out should he be on his own for such a long time. Um, if he needed anything, we could take some stuff out with us, any equipment, or indeed bring some back if he didn't need anything. Yeah, yeah. But I guess more more importantly, it was perhaps to provide some reassurance to his wife um, to know that we were going out and he'd have some friends at sort of the halfway stage. So so that was the plan. When when we got there, Bruce and I arrived, I, I, we, we were welcomed into this amazing Camino family that he had built up. I mean, we really didn't need to go, is the simple fact of the matter. We were there for three days only. It was just over a long weekend. But it had such an impact on me. I, I had no idea what to expect. I, I, I fell in love with it. There was a spirit that I'd never, ever witnessed anywhere in my life before. The people were incredible. I came back with so many stories. And then, and then I did something rather bizarre, which is so unusual for me, which was I was on a train journey from London up, up to Chester, a couple of hours, three hours or something like that. And, uh, and I wrote a poem. <laughs> I've never written a poem in my life. And I wrote a poem for Neil. He was still on his Camino. And, and I sent it to him. And he called me in tears with his Camino family around him, also in tears, saying, I've just read this out to everybody we're all in bits <laughs> so I, I guess from that moment onwards I knew I was always going to walk the Camino yeah. I came back and told my life I'm going to do this I've got to do this in retirement I definitely need to do this and then one day probably in, a year later I was commuting to London I have a couple of hours commute to work into London and I thought what am I waiting for so this dawning realization that I need to do this now and started to think about how could I do it? Maybe I could take a, a month's holiday. Maybe I could take a short sabbatical, came home, spoke to Lisa, my wife, who's so understanding with all my crazy ideas. <laughs> and, uh, and what turned out into taking sort of, you know, a couple of months off work on a sabbatical became a full six month sabbatical starting with the Camino. Goodness. Wow. Six months. Mm. So you weren't expecting to fall in love with this experience, and you went back then. No. So, so tell us about the second Camino. Did, did you? Where did you walk? Where, where did you start? You didn't walk for six months. I know that, but tell us about the second <laughs> Camino. Tell us about the Camino that resulted in the book. So I, I walked for five weeks, 
Uh, it was May 2019, so I was really lucky. I managed to do this before we went into lockdown and the pesky virus um, came along. Um, so I consider myself very thankful that I was able to do that. Um, we, I, I, I left home one morning and caught my usual train to London. So I literally walked down the road with my backpack on my back, dressed slightly different to how I normally dress for work, got my usual train um, and then left people as they got off as we got through London and I carried on, caught Eurostar, travelled down on trains via Paris to uh, Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. Oh. Uh, so it start, started in, in France, like many people do, walked the Camino Frontiers uh, and ended up in Santiago five weeks later where my wife met me. She flew out, at least met, flew out to meet me at the end. So that was something very special. That is totally special. The book is called There's Something Going On. Tell us about that realisation. I saw that you wrote that over the five weeks you walked this astonishing distance and I'd made new friends, saw incredible sights and heard snoring at volumes never before recorded. (laughs) We've all been there. But tell us about that realisation. You mentioned the the, the first Camino when you walked with Neil. But tell us about this realisation there's something going on on the second Camino. I mean, the, the book wrote itself, and, and the title was just something that happened. I mean, Neil, Neil just kept saying to me when we were there, he's like, he said, I don't know what it is, there's something going on. Um, and 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 as as I undertook my Camino, there were lots of things that happened before the Camino that were just dawning lights of, this, this is really yeah. quite spooky. And, and then yeah. and it, it's just like... I, like, I mean, what, like, what? Talk, like what? Like what? When you talk about light bulb moments, I, for me, it was more of a dimmer switch. It just got brighter and brighter. So the night before I left home, Lisa threw a bit of a surprise leaving party for me, which was lovely. Um, and she she gave me a card. And I, 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 some of the extracts from that card were were, were quite touching for me. I mean, she, 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 she'd written a quote in there saying, you're not a human being on a spiritual journey, but a spiritual being on a human journey. And, and that really Gosh. resonated with me. And, th- and then she just put this little line saying, it's your road, yours alone. Others may walk it with you, but no one can walk it for you. I'll see you in Santiago. And that was such a lovely thing to receive. Um, and then uh, yeah, lots of things happened That's along awesome. the way. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, That's great. fantastic. I've got tears I, um, in my eyes, man. That's, that's <laughs> no, no, really, that's a, that's, what, a, what a wonderful blessing. Yeah, it's great to leave with that. Yeah, and, and I had yeah. lots of obviously lots of phone calls and lots of video calls from people and, yeah. and people calling me while I was there. And um, yeah, I, I could go on and on. I, there's lots of these little stories that obviously I've captured in the book, which yeah. I never intended to write. I never intended to write the book, well, by the way. Well, <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that because that's a very interesting aspect of it. But before I do, you wrote the Camino gave me unforgettable memories, new connections, and a new outlook on life. Let me ask you this, Simon. Did you know you needed a new outlook on life? No, not at all. Um, I, I, I knew I needed a break. I mean, the, the biggest, the biggest holiday I've ever had is is three weeks. Um, and having worked for thirty three years for a high street bank, it's pretty busy. Um, and I, and I thought actually this is going to be a really good break and switch off from work. I didn't know I needed a new outlook on life. I was I was expecting I might find a new outlook on life, but I wasn't searching for one. Mm. Um, but but what it did what it did teach me was, you know, you can have a you can have a two week holiday from work, and you know you sort of, you get to the end of the first week and you feel like you've really switched off now, and then you start thinking, oh, I've only got a week left, and then I'm back at work again. This was you know stopping for coffee on the first day, thinking I've got five weeks of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've got I've got to switch off and relax, surely. <laughs> Um, and then, and then in week three or four, I mean, th- th- there's, there's one moment that really, really hit me. I was, I was on one of the plateaus, I think it was probably around day 16, 17, probably something like that, perhaps a little bit earlier than the week four. And I was, I had my headphones in and I was singing at the top of my voice. There was nobody around me for sort of 500 meters in any direction, if not further. Amazing. And I just looked around and I thought, I can sing at the top of my voice here. And I was, I was listening to Coldplay, whether like it or not. Um, and and I, I, I've got to tell you, I sounded good to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, but it, and, and then I just sat and thought, well, stood and thought, what, 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 is, what is happening? 
I'm so relaxed. I am so at peace with myself. I've switched off to a level that I'd never, ever switched off to before. Uh, and it just gets you to, and you know, you've, you've been there. You just yeah. enter this state of tranquility and, you know, listening to the hypnotic state and rhythm of your, of your, of your footsteps on mm. the floor. And you just, you enter a, another level and just, just think about life differently. You say in the PR spread for the book, whether you're a prospective pilgrim or someone that prefers to do your walking vicariously, my personal playful account will tell you what to expect when walking the way of St. James. And you mentioned that you work in banking, a career man, someone who's had a very successful life at work and at home. Why do you think it appeals to to people like you and me, who, who we seemingly have everything? A good life, a good career, we got everything we need. Why why do we need more? It is a really good question because it's probably because we're lucky enough that we have these things that you tend to forget what's really important in life. Um, and I, I, I guess lockdown has taught that for a lot of people because mm. there's a there's a there's a phrase that I, I use in my poem, actually. It ends with this phrase, which is, you need nothing else in life other than those you can throw your arms around. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think that was my big takeaway from the Camino. It's the real relationships that you have in life and the important ones that mean so much. Mm. Um, yeah. But to get there, you, you have to appreciate that all the material things in life are just immaterial. And and you, I'll tell a story. So, so on my first day, I only walked up to Orison. Decided to decided to stay there, and I had spent months and weeks preparing and packing for everything that I needed. I washed my clothes. It was a really windy day, and I suddenly realised I hadn't packed a peg. <laughs> I hadn't got any clothes pegged with me, so I couldn't hang my washing because it was going to blow away because it was so windy, and I. And, and it's just little moments like that when you think, oh, I wish I had a peg. <laughs> just a very simple thing in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then just just the comfort of having, you know, a nice bed to sleep in or a nice fluffy towel. You sort of miss all of those things. And the Camino strips you right back to basics. And, it, and you know, sometimes it's horrible. You know, you're getting into a grotty shower. It's a bit dirty and wet everywhere and you're just going into a room and there's already somebody snoring and you just think what am I doing what what is this and then and then you suddenly you know days later you'll just be thinking I have a little backpack on my back you know it's about six or seven kilos I've got a spare pair of underpants and a spare pair of clothes and a waterproof they are my worldly belongings and I am really happy yeah and I think that probably, to me, answers your question yeah, about, you know, why, why do people like you and I need to do this? It is just being stripped back to basics and appreciating the important things in life. Yeah, that's right. Then there are those t- uh, showers that turn themselves off after 45 seconds. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they are in in, infuriating. <laughs> infuriating. I had that. I had that. That was literally day one in Orison. <laughs> I covered myself in soap and it stopped. <laughs> You're, let's get to the book. Um, there's something going on. You say that your original idea was to create a keepsake for your family, a legacy, if you like. But as you say, uh, as your adventures unraveled and you started documenting your memoirs, the book wrote itself. You write yeah. in the book, this journey as a, as a writer is now an unintended consequence of your pilgrimage. What a great discovery. Uh, you're a writer. <laughs> well, I've never written before. I've never written a poem before. I'm um, I'm more of a cyclist than a football fan. So here, here, here am I doing a walk, something I don't really do very much, mm. <laughs> not long distance anyway. Yeah. And uh, and and I end up not only doing walking, but I end up writing a book. I it was a keepsake. I, I kept a little bit of a blog just for those that wanted to follow me and be close. Um, it wasn't a public blog. It was just a, a private blog. Uh, where friends could just see what I was doing, follow where I was by GPS and, and send comments as they wanted to. And I was just getting so many messages. And also this carried on when I came back saying, you've got to write this up. 
you need to publish it. You, you know, you write really well. It's really good. I think people would be really interested in it. And I was a bit embarrassed saying, yeah, you know, there's hundreds of people, thousands of people walk the Camino. I, I you know, I, I'm nobody any different. But the more I talk to people about my stories and the journey, the more, the more you realise everybody's Camino is unique, always different. Everybody has different stories. And I, and I wanted to, I guess I wanted to write a keepsake for my family. Mm. And I thought, particularly as we went into lockdown last year, I thought, actually, that might be quite a nice project to do outside of work. Sadly, it meant spending more time in front of a laptop, but I, I was determined to do it. So I eventually um, dusted off all of those memoirs and, and, and wrote the book, which for me has already served its purpose. All I, I, I had so much joy out of giving the physical copy to my mom, to my brother, to my, to my very close friends and family, um, and probably to my mom in particular, because you know, she calls it her prize, prize, prize possession. She said, I'll never be without it, and it means so much to her. And I've had some lovely conversations with her about the book, which is beautiful um, and, and means an awful lot to me. But I, the fact that it's, it's continuing to make sales, and I, here I am talking to you in Australia, <laughs> It is just a just a bonus, really. To be honest, I wasn't expecting any of that. It's, it's it's just a bit of fun, really. Yeah, and what fun it is! You say in the book, pilgrims are never alone on the Camino. Just talk us through that. Well, I'll go back to my mom. My mom thought that I was likely to, you know, fall in a ditch, sprain my ankle, mm-hmm. and you know, sit rotting with vultures above me. <laughs> Um, whilst I was scrabbling to try and get a mobile phone signal. And I was trying to explain to her, look, Mom, there'll, there'll be other people there. You know, I'm not going to be on my own. And she, she was panicking. As, as you know, the reality is very different. I, I, where do I start? I, 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 I've got to mention Chris. So Chris is a guy from Trinidad. Um, his wife sadly died a couple of years before he came out to walk on the Camino. And when we were in the refuge in Oris on that first night, if you know the Orison Refuge, mm, and I recommend course, it to anybody, yeah, yeah. It, you know, you stand up after the, the meal, introduce yourself and explain why you were walking the Camino. There's 40 odd people in a room and there's some incredible stories. And that in itself makes you realise, you know, just how lucky you are and, and you know, yeah. other problems that other people are facing. Um, and Chris briefly told his story and, and something just clicked. I was like, goodness me, I, you know, I just felt a connection with him. We'd never spoken before. I, I just felt this real connection. And he just sort of looked at me and I looked at him. And after the meal, we had a little chat. Anyway, the next day, it just so happened that I ended up walking with him and a few ladies that were in his room that night. And we just formed this lifelong bond, all of us, actually. In fact, all, all the, the ladies were only there for the first week, but we, we still keep in touch. And I've seen them um, a couple of times, and Lisa has as well. But Chris ended up walking the whole Camino with me. Um, or I ended up walking the whole Camino with him, um, <laughs> you know, so, so I was never alone. I mean, we were, it wasn't like we walked next to each other, as you know, he'll, he'd walk ahead. I might meet him a couple of hours later at a coffee stop or vice versa, or we'd walk past each other whilst we were stopping to put waterproofs on or would take them off. Um, but it was really good to just have that company, um, but you, it's, it's also the people you meet. I mean, you talked at the beginning in your introduction about that international community yeah and i was blown away by how many people from so many nationalities were walking the camino in fact i was delighted there were very few brits to be fair um, <laughs> because it's a refreshing change and 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 for me it was the the breaking down of those international barriers which can cause so much political and, and religious unrest around the world to where a place where all of that doesn't matter You'll come across people, they might be walking faster than you, they might be walking slower than you, they might need help, they might give you help. But the one thing you all have in common is you're all heading in the same direction and you're all going to the same place. Mm. And that really bonds people together in a way that you just don't get anywhere else in the world, in my view. No. I think heading in the same direction together is a really interesting aspect of it, that you're all walking in one direction it, it it just sort of collectively focuses your 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 view your journey it's amazing i wanted to just 
touch on the end of your poem you mentioned before. You discovered in the course of your Camino and write about in your book that you need nothing else in life other than those you can throw your arms around. That's fantastic. Mm. And, and what that enabled me to do with the remaining four and a half, five months of my sabbatical was to, was to spend time with the people that were really dear to me and close to me. So I planned lots of things for my sabbatical, but I purposefully kept lots of gaps in the schedule so that I could fill it with whatever I wanted to fill it with, having walked the Camino. I just knew the Camino would probably talk to me and give me ideas and things to do. So I, I you know, one day I realized I wanted to do some volunteering, so I used the time to get, get closer to, to a, a, a local, it's called Worthing Care for Veterans, and, and, I, and I go in there half a day a week, mm. uh, and, and I'm hoping to go back after, after the COVID restrictions as well. Sure. I've missed that lately. Um, but that was something that I did. But I get... I went and spent a week with my mom, just doing jobs at my mom's house. My mom lives a couple of couple of hundred miles away from me. I, I took my nieces um, to a theme park. My oldest niece, Lucy, I took her to a theme park. She's visually impaired. We had a cracking day. And there's a funny story about that in the book as well. It was an unusual day. Um, and then, you know, I would pick I would pick my younger niece up from school. I had a cycling holiday with my brother-in-law we went and cycled the south downs way i went away with my in-laws for a week so it was just fabulous to have time to spend with close family and do things that i could never do i you know when i work there's no way i could pick my nieces up from school yeah and it was just lovely to be able to do that but the, the, the camino if you like made me realize the importance of that and made sure that i focused on that for the rest of the time i remember my my dad i remember my dad said to me when i was a boy um, the one thing you won't say on your deathbed, Dan, is, gee, I wish I'd worked harder. Yes. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> so true. Crazy are full of indispensable people, yes? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's fantastic. I often ask my guests, uh, Simon, to tell us a Camino story. But with you, let, let's open the book. Tell us about a damsel in distress in Vienna. Just before we, and this was the first the group in the first week, um, with Chris and the girls that were just before we got, came into Pamplona, there's a there's a fork where you can make a decision to follow a river route or follow the traditional yeah. Camino up and That's over right. up and over a mountain. Yeah, I just I wanted to go and up over the over the mountain and do the traditional route, and the, the, the rest of the gang wanted to go the other way. So we just split and agreed to meet somewhere else at the other end. On on that walk, I I, I bumped into a a Brazilian girl and her mother, uh, and the Brazilian girl is called Gabriella, and she lived in Putney in London, as it happened, so which is where my son lived at the time. So it was a really strange coincidence. And we, we had a good conversation. I was just checking that she and her mom were okay, uh, and they were. And we had a little conversation, as you do, for 20 minutes, and then I, you know, we went our separate ways. I then bumped into Gabriella a few nights later in Los Arcos, and she spent the evening uh, with me and Chris, sat out having a little glass of red wine in the square, and... For some reason, we just exchanged telephone numbers. Should we? Should we need to speak to each other? And then I had—I was very lucky actually because I mentioned Neil early, and and because I'd gone out to help him, Neil and and some other friends decided to come out to me on my Camino. So it was lovely. I thought mm. day ten or eleven, I had some friends come out for three days and spend spend some time with me and Chris on the on the track, and it was it was fabulous to do that. And when we got to Viana. We just sat down having a cup of tea and my phone rang. I was like, oh, it's Gabriella. And I told Neil and, and my friends about Gabriella. So it was really quite a strange, spooky coincidence and, and how lovely Gabriella was. And she, her voice was immediately panic-stricken. And I could tell something was wrong. And she said that she was being chased by a man who was naked and she was didn't know where she was and she was very very um obviously panic stricken i could tell she was out of breath and she was running so we had to down everything and try we tried to call the police we tried to find out where she was so uh, and try and help her so you know it was really there's a, a funny moment in the book because neil said right i'll start walking back up the road so he started walking back up the road and um i then 
through geolocation on the telephones, managed to work out where she was. So I could yeah. call her, I could call. And then, and then I realized Neil wasn't too far away from her. And I'm then calling Gabriella saying, look, you'll find a man coming towards you in a minute. Don't worry. That is my friend, Neil. He will be with you. So eventually we managed to get her. He came back with her. Um, and, you know, she, she stayed with us for uh, the rest of the afternoon. And then, you know, we got her in a taxi to where she needed to go because she had accommodation booked that night in uh, Lagronio. So that was that was the damsel in distress story. So, you Goodness. know, very, very sad story about the Camino. I guess it shows, you know, you just need to be careful. But I, I, I also think a very rare and unusual story. Extremely and, and, rare. You know, we're, we, yeah, extremely. And we had a we had a good laugh about it afterwards because Neil said, oh, I really like the fact that you sent the guy with Parkinson's to run up the road and rescue her. <laughs> but uh, that's just the way it just transpired. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Osobrero, the top of the mountain. Uh, it's one of those fabulous places on the Camino. People mm. just love it. I love it. It's fabulous and it's very special for me, that place. You wrote, uh, an end is a gift. Open it slowly. What do you mean? It was day 30. I remember it well. And we were just walking past the, the border for Galicia. And, and you'll know there's always little milestones and people leave pebbles and stones. Sometimes there's writing on the pebbles and stones. And there was this stone just looking at me. And, and written across this stone was exactly that phrase. The, the end is a gift. Open it slowly. And here, here I was on day 30, desperate to see Lisa in Santiago in four or five days' time, desperate to stop walking, desperate to stop the pain of these blisters on my feet. And, I, and it just stopped me in my tracks. And I thought, this is soon going to be over. And I don't want it to end. I want to walk forever. I want to be here forever. I want to feel this magic forever. And, and it really made me spend the next few days savoring every footstep about what I was doing. And, and I, there's actually a photograph of that stone in my book because it meant so much to me. Wow. How, how does this new version of Simon fit in with the world's vision of the British, this, the stiff upper lip and all that? <laughs> oh, a geopolitical question. Um, I, I, I don't know. Everybody's different. I, I, you know, you can have stereotypes. You know, everybody is different. I, I, I wouldn't say we're stiff upper lip. Um, we, everybody has feelings. Everybody has a spirit. For me, I, you know, I still feel like I'm learning from my Camino, and, and the, the journey has only just begun. Mm. And you know, some people will go and walk it and go, "That was a really good walk," and come back, but. I think most people that I've spoken to that have been on the Camino talk about the magic and the spirit of the Camino. I just wish we could all bottle it and bring it back and sprinkle it around the world. And the world would be a much better place. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. You say what starts out as a book about a walk soon becomes a beautiful story about people of love, adventure, escapism, charity, and friendships those six things, love, adventure, escapism, charity, and friendship, sum up perfectly, in my view, what the Camino is all about. So let me ask you this question. What did you learn about yourself on the Camino? I probably learned that I can sometimes be a bit too opinionated oh. and, and to listen to others and to respect their views a little bit more. Well, what a wonderful thing to um, learn. Yes. I don't know. I don't know whether that's the best answer I could give you. Actually, Dan, you throw me with that question. I don't think that's, I think that's an outstanding answer. I think that's a wonderful thing to learn. But let me ask you then, what did you learn about others? I, I learned that you've got to look beyond, beyond the face and the, the, the immediate image that, that you can, an impression that you can form of people. I came across many, many people. I mean, as you say, my book is about people, love, friendships. It, 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 it isn't a factual book about the Camino. It is definitely not that. It is, it is more about the people and the journey. And, and when, when you stop and talk to people, they will unburden themselves and tell you of their deepest hell. Uh, and, it, and it's just incredible when people just have the time to talk. But more importantly, for me, the time to listen and to listen properly 
to to really help people and just by listening is, is, is I guess something else that I learned as well. You say walking and writing were never hobbies. Well, where do you go from here? What's next in your journey? Do you think? I'm definitely going to walk it again, uh, without a doubt, and and I want to do it with Lisa. Um, Lisa and I have always had this view that you know if you go on holiday and it's not as good or better than home, then it's not really a holiday. So it, it's going to take some selling to Lisa, uh, but she, she she enjoys walking and and, and keeping fit, and and we, we we've talked about doing it together. There's pros and cons of that because you know you, everybody walks at different paces, and, and actually it's really good to to walk it on your own. So I think even if we did that, we would we would probably walk it separately, but maybe just meet up every evening. I think that would be important to do that so that she could experience the magic of being on your own and talking to different people. Um, I, as I mentioned, I think my journey has just begun. I, I, I have come back to work. I throw myself into my work. I'm proud of what I do. Like everybody tries to do a really good job, but I probably don't worry about work anywhere near as much as I used to. Um, it's helped to put that into perspective and I you know will particularly after lockdown we'll, we'll try and spend more and more time with friends and family yeah and that's, the, that's the main learning for me yeah that's that's what a wonderful thing to get out of it um and I think that's been a positive if it could possibly be a positive out of all of the world sort of shutting down is that we've all realized all of a sudden what's important to us Simon you mentioned um, that you wrote the poem for Neil, uh, that you got the, the phone call um, from him and when he was on the Camino to thank you. Would you mind reading it for us? I can do, Dan. There's something going on. The path didn't start, as you'd think, in Saint-Jean because the spiritual journey had already begun. For Neil, it was special and had to be done. He knew it would be tough, yet he hoped for some fun. Walking alone, carrying his load, nearly 800k on this rugged open road, 33 days apart from his wife, one for each year of Jesus' life. Though a small price to pay for him to discover a pilgrim's life and the first week with his brother, there's something going on. Walking west, sun on his back, meagre belongings in his backpack, soon to discover it's not just a walk. Despite the long distance, the key is to talk. Complete strangers will tell of their deepest hell, but are there to feel safe and trust in their faith to the point that a hug or warm embrace gives a look deep inside and behind every face. There's a story to be told deep from within to inspire us all or be thankful therein. There's something going on. Brother Martin departed after day seven, but Catherine and Jacqueline, angels from heaven, were sent to provide further moral support to see him through and to avoid an abort. And the family got bigger and bigger it grew, with Carlos and Sus to name just a few. Whether you're on your own or part of a team, help is on hand to achieve your dream. One is never alone on the Camino. Someone's always with you on the road to Santiago. There's something going on. So two friends went to see what the fuss was about. Simon and Bruce, for two days they did sprout. A family welcome like they'd all met before. They went for a walk, but came back with much more. For they did not expect such a short time on the track to hit them for six and have such an impact. Such wonderful people all heading one way. With a party in Leon by the cathedral, you say. Mm -hmm. There's something going on. This historic route is not hard to follow. You look for the shell or arrow in yellow. But that's the easy part of this incredible feat. It's not so simple with blisters on your feet. Cold winds in the morns and the bitterest gales. So Neil keeps warm with the dragon hat from Wales. Whilst Carlos sent his pack ahead to the albergue, the cold was severe and he feared hypothermia. That wise man from Porto was struggling that morn, freezing without layers. So Neil's fleece was adorned. There's something going on. After tough days in the mountains, Neil arrives wearily at Cruz de Ferro with gifts from his family. He adds to the stones that have lain there for years, an emotional moment as he fights back the tears. Thinking of home and the ones that he loves, gaining strength from their love and the force from above. There's something going on. He's nearly there now, Compostela's in view, for Mr O'Toole and his nearly formed crew. He's battled the mountains, the cold and the snow, and today he has just 100k to go. 
He will soon be in the arms of his true love Elaine, a few days in Santiago, and then home on a plane. There's something going on. The last weeks will feel like they've gone in a whirl once he gets back to Cardiff and cuddles his girls. One day this will make a great story for Mary, who has yet who as yet doesn't know how amazing is Grampy. But he'll share the lessons away from the road in everyday life to unburden the load. And we should all learn from Neil and this holy ground to want for nothing apart from those you can throw your arms around. There's something going on. Wow, that's great. That's great. And you'd never written a poem before. You just out of the <clears> blue <throat> wrote the poem as a gift to your friend Neil. On the train, yeah. No, as, as you can tell from the poem, it was 100 kilometres away and I sent it to him that day, the day he passed the 100k barrier from, from Santiago. How fantastic. What a wonderful thing to do for a friend. That's great. I love it. Um, I, I've only got two more questions for you. Um, the first is, because you've been brilliant, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Congratulations on the book, and, and, and I hope I'm going to finish the interview by giving people a link to the website, and I hope that they, they, they grab a copy and, and put it on their shelf and, and give it to their friends and family to read as well. But just before you go, I, I started the interview by a quote that I'd seen on a desk calendar, and I'll ask you, when's the last time you did something for the first time? This interview. <laughs> I've not, not I've not done an international podcast before. <laughs> this is the first time. <laughs> That's great. That. No, no, touche, my friend. That is so good. That's so good. Okay. All right. Now tell us a <laughs> That's so good. Tell us a Camino story. I need to introduce Stuart to you first before I do that. So mm-hmm. Stuart is a good friend of mine in Wording. Um, he came out for the last two weeks of my Camino, um, an idea born in the pub, as all good ideas are created in the pub. Yeah. And he said he, he wanted to come out and just spend a couple of weeks and, and walk to Santiago with me. So you know, he got his Compostela as well and, and, and started in Leon. Um, Stuart is, let's say, not a particularly religious um, and spiritual person. Sorry, I need to just rephrase that, actually. Let me just, mm-hmm. Apologies, Dan. Not at all. Stuart... Stuart is not particularly religious, um, and about it's probably a month before he came out. Unfortunately, his mother died. So that's, that's, that's a little bit of context for you. Uh, you, you for me, the, there was there was a day. I think it was day seventeen, if I remember right. And I was, I was on a, a plateau on my own, just walking, just thinking. Um, bright sunny day, and every now and again. There was a pilgrim behind me, and I, you, you know what it's like. You get people walk past mm. you faster than faster than you're walking, and and I just stepped to one side <clears throat> to turn around to let them pass. And as I as I turned around, there was nobody there, and I thought, oh, okay, I'm obviously just seeing things, and it and it kept happening, and it, I thought, oh, maybe it's just the, the shadows playing tricks on me. But you'll know you, you're heading west. The sun is on your left hand side, so the shadows aren't on your left. Your shadow is on your right. But every time I kept thinking there was somebody behind me and I'd step to one side to let them pass and there was nobody there. But there was something. It was like there was somebody walking with me. I I can't explain it. I don't know what it was, but I had this very unusual, albeit comforting feeling. So that was day 17 and I thought nothing of it. I never mentioned it. And it only really happened on that one day. And then Stuart had been with us for a week. So this was towards the, you know, the last week of the Camino, so a good sort of 10 days later, maybe. And I stopped. He came up to me and we were just chatting. And he said, I need, I need to tell you something. He said, but he said, it's really, really weird. He said, I don't know whether you've experienced it. He said, but every now and again, I keep turning around and it's like there's somebody walking with me and there's nobody there. Wow. And, and I looked at him and I felt, the shivers go up my spine. And I, and I said, don't tell me, it's always on your left side. And he went, yes. <laughs> and the pair of us like, looked at each other. And there was Stuart, who's not particularly religious, um, doesn't really do things like that and doesn't share things like that, suddenly telling me this weird event that was happening to him. Um, 
and and I guess that's that's my Camino stories. I can't explain that, but no. there was definitely something going on, and hence the title for the book. That was the main catalyst, I think, for it. Wow, great story! Look, I'm certain that there are people walking alongside us often on the Camino. Um, certainly, it'd be nice to think that those same people are walking alongside us all the time, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, yes, keep, keeping us safe, perhaps even guiding us. Simon, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Congratulations on the book. Congratulations on discovering this new perspective and, and congratulations on finding a peace with those around you, those you love, those that you love to throw your arms around um, because you, you're a lucky man. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you're a lucky and man. Thank you. Mm. I, I, well, I'm lucky to be interviewed by you. Thank you for, for inviting me. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. Well, listen, I hope our paths cross at some stage um, and maybe it's on the Camino. And if it is, I'll buy you a craft beer. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Buen Camino. Buen Camino. My guest this week was Simon Don Levy. His book is called There's Something Going On. And you can find the book and Simon at there's something going on.co.uk. There's something going on.co.uk. Thanks for your company this week and every week. Ask yourself a question this week. When's the last time you did something for the first time? I hope you find what you were looking for somewhere along the way. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Hey, thanks for hanging around after the show. <laughs> the old story. Um, all the way through the podcast, Simon kept talking about the only things that matter are what you can throw your arms around. And it reminded me constantly of a great Australian song called Throw Your Arms Around Me. It's by a band called Hunters and Collectors. Um, throw it into your Spotify mix or your Apple Music mix because it's a great song, a great Australian song, and I couldn't help but sit down after I'd done the interview with Simon and throw a version down for you. So here you are. Thank you for your company. Thank you for the community that you are, and thank you for listening every week. This is a special little tribute to you. Uh, this is a Australian band called Hunters and Collectors and my version of their song, Throw your arms around me.
Get started. You will throw. 